Hello everyone, and welcome back to Creative Emotions. I'm your host, Alex. Uh, and I'm your other host, uh, Cedric. And uh, unfortunately though, uh, Jenny could not make this episode, but she sends her much love. And so we will miss her, but uh, the show literally must go on. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But like it's really nice because it's kind of like going back to our roots where it's just you and me, oh, Cedric. He's locking dead eyes on me. <laughs> Not like that. I'm feeling the connection. <laughs> well, but yeah, like uh, just want to give a um, happy holidays for all of our listeners. Um, since um, the holidays are literally just around the corner, Christmas is literally two days mm-hmm. from today. Um, and, um, I'm not quite sure how all the other holidays are working, uh, whether it be Kwanzaa or, um, um, Hanukkah or, or any other special, um, holiday that celebrates in uh, December, you know, want to wish you guys a happy holidays as well. Yeah. Keep up that spirit, everybody. Mm. Have a good holiday. So on this episode today, we're going to be talking about the emotion overcome. (gasps) I feel so overcome with excitement right now. <laughs> Hyperbole aside, uh, we are very excited about the um, this emotion, and um, I think I'm gonna be asking a lot of questions because I know if you if you've been listening to our podcast, I think the perfect person to ask about this emotion is Alex. Oh, thank so, you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna it's kind of like how we do guests, and I'm, I'm gonna ask a lot of questions in Alex and. And then I think it'll be great. He's going to pull an Ellen on me. Oh, yes. But in the sense of like, I'm not going to like put a weird game on you. That's oh, embarrassing. No. Or no one's going to pop out of my couch to like scare like the heck out of you. So with that being said, let me start by asking um, Alex, mm-hmm. you know, what was something you recently overcame? What I recently overcame was I realized that... Um, I have this anxiety to get things done now. But, like, that's towards, you know, my dreams and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Because remember last week how I was worried about so many things at once, so many dreams at once, you know. or Like, I wanted, like, a dance studio and and things like that. And that was something that I want to talk about specifically because... I took to everything in account for creating my dance studio and I realized that I need to be patient with it. And that was something that I had to overcome myself because I saw, like, I was just looking at, like, 10 grand loans left and right and I was just like, all I got to do is press the the start button now for this loan. It's right in front of my face. I could just do it. I could do it right now. But, like, I, I was talking to Jenny about this, you know, and it made me realize that I need to be more patient with it. Because, um, like, yeah, I could use that 10 grand loan to start my business. But do I have something to back it up? Do I have my own financial income that I, that, that I can back up when things goes wrong, you know, within that first year of starting my business? And I was thinking about it. And I, was, and I thought to myself, you know what, I need to be more patient with this and actually take steps and actually learn about the craft of what it really takes to, you know, own a dance studio. And I learned that if I want to, you know, do my own dance studio, I need to learn how to be a teacher first, Um, you know, be able to teach other students and, you know, create a following and and really build that relationship with with those kind of people before I can actually have a a space to, um, to, 
to allow people to create and that sort of thing. So that was something that I really need to, that I really felt like I needed to know more about myself because if that's something that I really want to do, create create a space for people to create more in their own form of art, um, I need to have the 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 fallback plan and you know the the strength and and the plan to be able to um, withhold and break even and be able to create. And be able to hold that space within that one year at least, you know, so it can grow in a much more um, safer and more substantial way. Yeah, um, that's such a an, that's such an amazing realization of yourself, because I think a lot of people see their dream right, and when things aren't happening right away, they feel very much out of control. Mm-hmm. They don't feel. Like their achievements are, or if they don't feel achievements, mm-hmm. they don't. And but as life goes, with the as tasks become more difficult, it really does require like different skills that, you know, like I don't think as when we were younger, we were just really trained to do well. So um, to understand that you do need more patience mm-hmm. in um, in developing your dream, um, I think that's something that is hard for people to understand and to overcome because. Um, cause there's a lot, and I think there's like a lot of obstacles that go into that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there's this very much narrative of like, you gotta do things now, you know, you gotta see things now, you gotta start things. Now. And I think people think that when they do things now, that results should happen also now, mm-hmm. but like your causes will not necessarily translate to effects until, you know, they, they come naturally. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a good way of understanding, right? Like the type of person that we are, or like the type of people that we are. Like, are we very like, can we sit in like, can we just, you know, do something and sit idly by? Mm -hmm. Or do we need to do things to to keep our mind off like why things are not developing the way that they are? Mm -hmm. Um, And in developing your business, right? Like, I think a lot of people, a lot of early entrepreneurs, um, you know, business owners, they they're like businesses fail within like the first year to yeah. like five years right and, you know, like through either undercapitalization or a misunderstanding of marketing or even team cohesion mm-hmm. right? there's so many skills into running a successful business and i think you taking the time and you being patient to understand what those are understanding your steps to getting to where you are mm-hmm. that's that's really important too and then it's like, and then it's like when you look at something like that, like such a huge challenge, right? And trying to overcome that, you really start to understand challenges like that always develop a, a greater understanding of yourself. Yeah. Which I think is definitely what's coming off in, in this particular case. So, yeah, I mean, the temptation to get a $10,000 loan and start right now, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's very hard to just turn down, but you have the discipline. And the understanding and the intellect to know that, you know, before you take that money, you know, like you have to develop other skill sets before mm-hmm. you can make sure that that will be your assurance to your future. Mm-hmm. So. Like one of the skills that I need to learn for sure is, um, like I said earlier, is teaching. Mm. You know, I've never, I mean, like I've t- taught like choreo, like choreos when I was in, in college. I know that, but that's not real real well i wouldn't say real but like i it's just not enough experience in my opinion um versus 
being out like at another dance studio or actually doing private lessons that mm. uh, that Mitch does, you know, and mm. in, in that sort of sense, that's something that I need to learn that I need to acquire and I need to do more of. So I feel like that's maybe like offer more like free services, quote unquote, um, like just to practice around with people, you know, and teaching in the way my own teaching style um, affects others and see if it helps others in a way that um, helps them grow in their creative process as well. Oh, yeah. Like um, that was something then you, then you and I share something very similar in that sense, because learning how to teach was something I also had to overcome because it was very much it was I felt for a time I felt it was pretty innate in me mm-hmm. up until I, I got into that classroom mm-hmm. and then um, it did it felt super foreign and the consistent sort of like demonstrators of failure were frustrating mm-hmm. and every time makes me think like doubt or, or puts doubt into my mind and makes me want to quit but I didn't because I really did care and believe in what I do and like in you do. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, it, it can be enough to f- think about like, well, how can I get better at this? How can I make this easier? And what's really important about stuff like that, like teaching, mm-hmm. like teaching styles and whatever it may be, right? Like it's a pipe dream to believe that every teacher can teach every student mm-hmm. right, effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you divorce yourself of that idea, you really start to invest in, well, if I can't get everybody, right, then I can get maybe most people or at least the people for dance. This is particularly special, mm-hmm. right? You can get the people who are attracted to your style. Yeah. But then understanding your style, right? Like you really have to kind of like carve it out of experience what you're doing, right? You're going to trade that experience off, Right. For like, you know, financial, like instead of getting financial gain, you're going to train and like understand because that's what I did. You know, like I as soon as I was was done with the teaching credential program at my school, I didn't go into the job market right away. Instead, I felt like, well, I need to develop this further. So I'm going to go substitute teach Mm -hmm. for a couple of things. And Mm -hmm. so I could manage my understanding of how to run a classroom. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, And I think that would be an interesting journey for you. Because um, I think you have so much to give, uh, but I think people get really vested in the ways they give. And then sometimes it's funny because then you'll be with people who don't want to receive what you're giving. Mm. Like it sucks because like you think everybody in the dance class wants to learn how to dance at a certain level. Mm -hmm. But that assumption is very like it sometimes gets like it kicks you in the butt like a lot. Um because it's like some people just want to have fun Mm. some people take it real serious yeah you know some people lie in between some people want someone who has a lot of high energy and some people want someone who's very meticulous Mm -hmm. uh, someone who can answer any question that comes in mind Mm -hmm. and those are like and it's like again like you have different personalities Mm -hmm. different ways of wanting something different understandings of what you they they think they can get from you Mm mm-hmm and that'll be like a that'll be something to to overcome in and of itself Mm. but it's like very very important that yeah at least you're you're understanding that that is something to develop Mm -hmm. yeah it's because um i mean like like i probably think about 
uh, probably I still kind of think about this sometimes as well. But like, it also depends on how those people resonate with you as well. If they're the right, if uh, they, if you are the right person for them to teach as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's one of the factors for sure. But there's also ways where you can k- kind of uh, tweak yourself in a way to cater their needs as well. So right, and uh, and it's tough um, because. When you're trying to tweak yourself or adjust, right, according to the best style or to the best way to teach someone or to deliver your information, mm. um, it gets become it becomes like this tricky scenario where you're looking at, like, well, should I slow down for this just one person while everyone else seems to be okay, and vice versa. So then you start playing like this game of like, well, like. Who's going to benefit the most, and how do I want people to benefit? How do I want to come off? Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, really important. Like for me, when I teach my dance classes, like I'm very much that my style is very much like the inviting, the beginner. Like I let my movement kind of like speak for itself, and like, but I also don't take my movement super seriously mm. because my personality when I teach matches that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to mislead people too much. Like I don't want to look super hardcore when I'm like teaching dance in like um, like in salsa. Mm-hmm. If I know that like I, I as a person I'm like super friendly and super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I try for me I'm very inviting. While other teachers are not. Like mm-hmm. um, I, we have this very famous teacher in our scene. Um, his name is Osmar. He's part of this group called Yamule. Yeah. And I think I've mentioned this him before where he is he's like well he's well renowned in his performance so people want to take his classes because they they idolize him and they role model so that's the model he built like someone who's like okay i'm a very good dancer and if you want to dance like me take my classes but that does not guarantee that he's going to care about you yeah right he's very much like i'm here for the dance Uh, this is how i dance watch it learn from it but i'm not here to answer your questions I'm not here to break things down. Mm-hmm. I'm here, like, if you can handle it, then you'll do it. If you can't, then you won't, mm. right? Like, I mean, there's no in-between. There's no me extending my hand out to help you. Either you can hang or you can't. Like, he has this philosophy about, like, his teaching method. Which is kind of, I feel like that's kind of odd in a way because mm-hmm. it just feels to me that that's just being a bad teacher in a sense, you know? Right. Um, because like, cause like, it just feels like you're not filling in that role correctly. Right. And so that's that's your, that's your that's definitely something like, for me, I agree, right? Um, but I, like, I can also understand because I've met people who don't d- just teach uh, dance like that, like teach everything like that. Yeah. And there's like that compelling argument where it's like, well, like I'm forcing them to dig deeper into themselves. Mm-hmm to like with challenge to get them to understand what's going on right and there's like but that's under the assumption right that that person has enough knowledge and understanding to really get to that point without help Mm -hmm. um it's like saying like you know like like the incentive is enough to to get what you want Mm -hmm. and the incentive is like go dance like me and that's like Osmar, and if you and if, if that's an and that should be enough for you to get it together, mm-hmm. you know, like the reason why the philosophy is like the reason why you're not learning is because of you, not because of me. Mm-hmm. And so it's tough because like yeah, there's a definition in that where it's like 
well, you're not really teaching. My students say this all the time, and this is me transferring back to, like, when I teach at high school. It's like, I like what is the character of a bad teacher? It's like a teacher who doesn't teach. And you have to think about, well, what lessons um, do you feel like... But you have to remember, like, a good teacher is someone who ensures learning. And that in that case, there's multiple paths to do that. Or whatever is the best way. To me, I also think, like, to be fair... I don't think Osmar is like a good speaker. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think he's charming enough. Mm-hmm. I don't think he understands his sometimes like understands people's questions enough. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't want to think about like that level of like you know because again answering questions puts a teacher in a vulnerable moment because then they have to always rethink in a way that they didn't want to think about something before. Because mm. to them, it's very natural. Mm. Like, I think about every dance teacher that's asked you, hey, can you break this down? And they're like, uh... Oh, okay. You know, like... Because, um, like, I, like, um... They're, they're probably... They're just thinking... Well, because, like, I've never broken down right. this slow before. Exactly. And that's... It. But then again, what I'm telling you about that is, like, students, that's, like, their obligation to do. Because you're making a teacher better by forcing that challenge. You know? And I think teachers need to understand that about themselves. Um, that your students, if they have questions, and this is just my philosophy, right? Like you have to be as prepared as possible, but you can't also just wholeheartedly deny their question because then you're just being to me in a sense like, oh, like intellectually lazy. Mm, like you're okay. not forcing yourself to see from their perspective, right? What it is you're doing. Mm. And okay. if that's the case, you have to assume that if you if you have a goal, like everybody needs to dance like me, but your assumption is like, okay, everybody is like me, then yeah, you teach in that style, then it's like, oh, okay, this comes easily to me, it'll come easily to them too. But then that bias, that misunderstanding is where the problem occurs in understanding. And then questions are the way to bridge that gap. But if you don't want to even answer those questions, then and here's the key thing about Osmar's class you have to like you have to be a certain level of dancer already before you decide to go in there and he doesn't he says that like you know it's like you know and I think um, another teacher that um, another teachers that I've heard said this is very famous it's like Keone Amari yeah like if you take a class with them you have to have some form of like dance training or you right. have to be in, you can't just come into their class like for the first time dancing and think like you're gonna like think no it's not okay mm-hmm. but I've also said it here in the same stint right that uh, Keone is all like why did you like he always asks people like well, why do you dance and then they and then to him he's like the answer is always the same it's because at one point it was very fun for you mm-hmm. like you enjoyed it mm-hmm. and then you decided to pursue it as your pa- and then it became your passion then your dream or whatever it is whatever level it is or whatever it may be and i think i think they the reason why they say like oh you need to already have dance training before you come to your class is because you're not going to feel successful in their class without it because you're not going to be having fun Mm. you're not gonna feel good Mm -hmm. and sometimes though like it depends on your objective right like it's i know one of the things you maybe want is like if you ever wanted to like be a director of like a team or something like you have to shift gears in that sense yeah like sometimes it's like it's not about fun it's about getting it it's Mm -hmm. about pushing and it's about elevating Mm -hmm. and you know motivating and stuff like that while Mm -hmm. in the classroom it's like very much like learning and maybe catering Mm -hmm. or you know like being very like you know tough and rigorous whatever 
But understanding your style and overcoming the, the, the gaps between them are going to be the um, are going to be the challenges that are interesting always, and they're sometimes even the most upsetting. You know, mm-hmm. when someone just feels like it'll be interesting to see when you do your first class. Um, it's like with comics when they bomb up on stage, <laughs> and they're and then and then people are like leaving or people are like just they're on their phone bored and you're just like oh man like. You know, it's like tough. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, and I've seen those shows. So. Yeah, and vice versa. There's equivalent for like dance teachers, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes there's a self-conscious fear. Like Kobe, <laughs> one of our friends, his name is uh, Bryant. Uh, we like to call him Kobe. Yeah. Uh, because we have another uh, member on our team whose name is Brian. So it's just very confusing at times. Yeah. So, um, but he teaches hip hop and he always tells me every single time that he's so nervous. You know, he's so, so nervous. And I think, oh, and I should ask him more about how that, like, why he's nervous. But I think one of the main reasons is he just doesn't feel, like, confident in what he's teaching and what he's learning. And that's that's something that we can all relate to. But, like, when you see it, like, maybe, like, the indicators of someone who's maybe losing focus or perhaps uh, is frustrated by, you know, the choreography... Like, I, you know, I see dance teachers all the time and that affects them. It affects their, like, it's like, oh, like, you know, like, we got to do it, you know, whatever. And so whatever it may be. But it's just very much that overcoming that understanding of what you believe, right, is a good teacher. And you just have to, and then how you will best embody that. Yeah, know? I appreciate that. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, yeah. So, okay. So this is important. Um uh, I'm going to move on to my second question, Alex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just want you to tell me, um, you don't have to ask, answer it right away, but um, the question goes, in overcoming the challenges in your life, right, what did you learn about who you are? Um, I've learned about, there's a lot of ideas coming through my head right now, but I'd say the one thing that really, really peaked, um, really stood out to me in my head was is that, I'm self-reliant, like self, um, self, self-understanding. And what I mean by that is that I know how to take care of myself in, in the harshest situations. Like, I'm the type of person that if I couldn't pay rent or if I can, you know, um, afford a refrigerator or afford anything, I would live in my car. I would survive living on my car. Or if anything, if I didn't have a car, I would be able to survive, you know, living as a homeless person out on the street and be able to get out of there, you know. And that's that's something that um, I learned about myself is that I don't like being in a very bad situation. Like I would do whatever it takes for me to get out of that situation. Um, even even if it may seem seem taking a high risk that the next situation might be worse, I always have this mindset that that you can always make a situation better as long as you're able to control yourself and be able to create that situation in a better better way, you know. And that's that's what I learned throughout my life is that yeah, there are situations that you can't control, um, and that's something that. I realize that that's okay. 
because it's not always about control. Because whenever I was in my last uh, my last job, which was uh, my salesman job, it was about controlling every single situation, every single situation, every single like number to the cent, to the core, to the person, to like waving around a stick with a carrot in front of their face, that kind of thing. And it made me realize, well, that doesn't promote growth. That doesn't promote um, a direction of where you truly want to go. If anything, that creates um, like, like tyranny in a way. Mm-hmm. So if, if there's something that I want um, to create out of that, it has to be freedom. You know, freedom to, to allow myself to be myself. As much as as much as I you know like to help others and and be able to uh, make other people feel happy, uh, I learned that I have to love myself first. I have to take care of myself first, um, so I can give love to other people. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still learning how to give love to other people. That's something that I'm I'm learning to um, to overcome myself. You know, mm-hmm. um, especially with the with the dance team, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll I'll do the best I can to cheer loudly and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And when there are situations where I realize, now actually, this is something that I learned recently as well, is that when you're on a when you're on a on a team, um, whether it be you know a sports team or whether it be a business team or or like a or or a teaching team where you're t- with teachers, directors, and stuff like that. Um, something that I realized when you're in an environment with a community like setting, it's important to bring out as much positive energy as possible, positive consistency as much as possible. Because yeah, there there are times where you feel down and everything like that. But in order to operate in the most successful way possible, in the in the best direction that you want to go. Um, whether whether like your fulfillment or whether mission you're trying to create, you have to cre- you have to have that level of focus that is important to keep a really strong attitude, and that's something that I recently learned um, being on on the stance team. Like um, like recently, like Saturday for example, uh, like how everyone was uh, doing the two hour break thing, and then they all went to hello guys to um to eat out and have fun with each other and right. stuff like that i knew that myself that i wasn't in the right setting right mind mm-hmm. that i needed to learn and step back and take care of myself within those two hours so i could recuperate and really bring the best i could for the next three hour session at dance good that's a uh, your understanding of yourself is such a at times it's like a, a much more enlightened view about yourself than others probably at your age, right? Um, I think, and because you've had to live experiences um, that have forced, right, that wisdom to come out Mm -hmm. and that development and that understanding of self to come out. And so it's like, okay, like I can reserve myself like to to go somewhere so that because I know that in that situation, the next situation, uh, I will be better for them, Mm -hmm. you know? And so people don't realize that a lot of times. I think people a lot of times see the now um, and they, they view like the situation as it is. And they're worried that if they, if they choose themselves or if they keep themselves in a place they don't want to be, that, um, that the situation will be ultimately better. But all, 
But in doing so, like you're, if you don't allow yourself to rest, to recuperate, that's not your natural, right? Then, then all you're doing is just wearing down at the bone. Mm -hmm. It's very much feeling this way of like grinding and overextension and frustration and pain. Mm -hmm. And to know that you can understand that about yourself and that you are so self-reliant from the challenges that you've overcome, that that's a skill set that really can't ever be told by anybody else. Mm. You know, like you have to learn that the hard way. Yeah. And like in doing so, you have and it's helped you tremendously and I think your growth and I and I can see that when you look out for something and this is something that I've told you before, like you're the only person I know really that when they feel like there's a goal, like you know how to get to it. And you you build accomplishment right away, mm -hmm. um, and that's something again that I deeply admire in you. So that's really really amazing to to understand where that's coming from and and why it is that you feel um, you do the things that you need to do, mm -hmm. which is really really important. So thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you, Cedric. No, I appreciate course, it. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, oh shoot. Okay um oh let's talk about then um the next question yeah yeah how do you feel all right so alex what do you feel like you still need to overcome what i need to overcome is really putting my dreams in front of my financial situation um mm. and it's kind of odd that i say something like that is because i i've always put in this mindset where like yeah i want to you know do the things that I love doing, I want to do the things that I love, that I dream about, my passions, my goals, and everything like that, but I always felt like, oh, I need finance, oh, I need money, or I need this, I need I need money to take care of myself, yada, 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 but, like, it just reached to a point in my brain where I'm like, okay, let's make a more s smarter situation, smarter decision now, because every time I did the whole situation where, okay, I'm going to follow my dreams, I'm going to quit my job right now, and I'm broke. <laughs> you know and then like and i can't do anything because i'm broke right. <laughs> and i'm like oh okay well uh i need money so i'm gonna go back and work again and then at and when i'm working everything i'm i realize oh i don't have enough time to do my dreams and, and do the things i love doing so i stop working and go over to do my dreams again and it creates this endless cycle yeah, in my right. brain i'm just like okay, this needs to stop. If I'm going to do something like that, mm -hmm. I need to be smart about it and save money so I can survive, you know, the next two or three months or so. So that way I can quit my job and actually focus on my dreams without to worry about finance because I saved money in the smartest way possible and not spend it on any, you know, thing things that I want that I want instant gratification for right you know so that's something that I that's something that I needed to be better at and that's something that I just recently realized that okay if I am gonna do something that I love I need to set money aside I need right. to set money aside sacrifice you know this this next two or three months or so working at this job uh which is you know the towing industry um I shouldn't well the towing company that I work at because um, I'm a battery service guy mm -hmm. and that's something that I don't like doing but I'm using that opportunity because it's a 12-hour job uh, right. 12 hour jobs a uh, 12 hour a day and I work four days a week right and that nets me um, uh, 1800 a month okay nice. you know so and what's good about that is that that allows me to put money aside 
Right. Um, so what I what I'm doing is um, my goal is to cre- to save two grand, quit that job, and actually be able to focus and ensuring that I'm okay for the next you know couple months or so, um, to work on the things that I that I want to improve on. You know, whether it be this podcast and creating the direction where I want it to go to allow more people to, you know, have the opportunity to listen to this podcast and be more vocal or, you know, um, create more exposure for this podcast. Because um, I grew up in a situation where we couldn't talk about our emotions, you know, um, where where it was important to talk to, to other people about our feelings that um, it was always about you have to take care of your own feelings, your, your own situation first. Right. And not really, you know, relate to anyone about it because I feel like one of the things that helped me grow was to be able to express, you know, the feelings that I, 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 I have with others. Like, you know, whenever like I feel down or whatever, I feel that I need, you know, help or direction. I talk to, you know, you, Cedric, or I talk to, to Jenny or um or to Mitch, you know, about the situation that I'm feeling, and it helps me, you know, come back to my center and my focus. Um, to go in the direction that I need to go. Yeah. So, and that's uh, that's something that um, I'm working on currently. Um, so far, I've saved a little bit of money on the side right, right now so far. So, um, I'm just hoping if I do well in the next, you know, two months or so that I'll be able to create a situation where I'll be in a much happier place. Yeah, and that's good to know. Like, yeah, there's this idea of, um, yeah, everybody... Uh, eventually learns this lesson right um it's one of the lessons that transcends you away from sort of like childhood to adulthood is just how powerful or how potent uh money is around you know your society and your dreams Mm -hmm. uh in regards to all that stuff and now that you're realizing like okay i don't you're you've been in a loop right uh you've been kind of letting your feelings like take more hold now that you've you've grown older and you've observed why that maybe not be now that you've understand why that's not viable yeah you're going forward with a a pretty solid plan to to make sure that you know how to pursue your dreams mm-hmm. and you know that you're you you can take some time to really focus and that's that's really telling because it tells me that you're the type of person who really likes to focus on one thing at a time and, yeah and in I doing do. so you've built a structure that makes the most sense to you mm-hmm. and so i think that's really really amazing in that sense that um when you have to like you're finding your way to overcome things and over time like it's like it's so important that people understand that when you're overcoming something the best way to go about it is to really think about it mm-hmm. and to as as obviously the problems become much more complex mm-hmm uh it sucks because there are times where I, I i sense to have like a judgment on people um only because i'm not like them and so and then and i'm trying to divorce myself of that judgment but of people who just kind of let life take them wherever mm-hmm. you know yeah and there's like a sense of contentment there but i feel like for me i've always wanted a higher form of happiness yeah and in doing so that requires a level of like discomfort a level of work, a level of focus that, you know, you sacrifice the sort of like smaller forms of happiness so that it will all mean something a little bit later at the end. Mm-hmm. And in this podcast, we talk about 
a lot of those times those dreams that you have and we but we also talk about being present in that moment um and so we are still advocating for that Mm -hmm. very much so but in doing so alex i think what's good about you is like your understanding of yourself from all the challenges you've had has helped you design the best path to your dream right right it's like okay like other people would be like well i wouldn't go about it doing it that way or i wouldn't go about doing this way but it's like ultimately in the end you they're not you and like the way you are the way you understand who you are right that's you're going to be the best consultant about how to pursue what you want to do ultimately in the end and so it's very much trusting your instinct very much moving forward in any way that you feel like you need to and that's really really important to all that stuff so mm. that's awesome yeah Super awesome. thank you i appreciate it yeah yeah of course um all right so i'm gonna move on to the second part of this podcast yeah which let's is do it. um so we just talked about like just in general like the sort of action of overcoming mm-hmm. uh but in an emotional state right overcome has like a different definition yeah and in doing so right and which means like to be just overwhelmed right overwhelmed yes. um either with happiness or sadness or whatever emotion so in a sense right overwhelm is one of these emotions that sort of like helps describe right the other emotions or kind of like um really needs to be attached to another emotion Mm -hmm. for you to kind of understand it's it's like a it's a double part Mm -hmm. um uh emotion right um like you can you can um you can create it with an action or you can receive it Mm -hmm. and that's the interesting thing about this emotion yeah so um this is something that i actually want to want to ask you cedric sure um what when was the last time you overcame with uh with excitement with excitement yeah oh um the last time i was overcome with excitement which is actually funny because i i actually take active um pains to um to not be overcome with excitement really um i'm one of those people like if you've picked up in the podcast uh, i'm one of those people who plans a lot of stuff yeah you are so when I become overcome with excitement, people who get overcome with excitement usually tend to go to action right away before they think about stuff. You Really? Um, it's either that or they've planned something so well that they become really excited about what they want to do or whatever it is. But it's like, oh, I'm so excited. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Uh-huh. You know, like, um, and it's one of those things where I'm just like, okay, like, for me, I let, like, all of the, what could possibly ruin an experience like I try to plan for as much as possible. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm not a good like impromptu traveler. Mm. Like I can't just go to a place. Mm. Or I can't just do a thing. Like you have to build a case for me to become excited. <laughs> and it's typically tough for a lot of people because that's they're like annoyed by that. <laughs> they're like, it's Paris. It's like so, and I'm like so. <laughs> it's got the Eiffel Tower, and, and <laughs> like, so does my computer when I play. The, <laughs> When I show the picture of the Eiffel Tower, like, and it's at night, and it's at the view that I'm on. But then again, it's like, it's building a case, and it's tough. It's a lot. It's frustrating for people. Well, I think that's interesting, because um, it to me, it, may, it feels like you're very level-headed. Um, yeah, but I would say this, that sometimes I do wish, right, that I wasn't so sometimes as much. But 
again, we'll talk about experiences, right? And what we've learned from them. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to travel, and I hate saying this because it, it kind of outs me. Okay. Um, I, I'm really not... A, I really don't like traveling as much as others. And I feel like there is a default setting for people. Like, when you say, like, what do you like to do? I would say eight times out of ten, someone's going to say traveling. Mm-hmm. Mention, I, I like to travel. Mm-hmm. I like to travel. I like to travel. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then, and then that's like an instant connection. It's like saying, like, I like music or I like <laughs> movies. And so when you hear a person who says, oh, I don't like movies, I don't like music. You're like, what a weirdo. What a weird. But same thing goes with traveling, mm-hmm. right? Because I think there's this argument to be said about like traveling can change who you are, you know, culture, you know, being right. around new people, forcing right. new experiences, foreign stuff. But yeah. now reverting back to my experiences, every time I've traveled, it was horrible. It's like a nightmare. So it's kind of translated, right? to like in most of my life experiences where I don't get overly excited about things Mm -hmm. because usually it blinds me to key details that have ended like end up I wouldn't say completely ruining the uh, the experience but sometimes tarnishing it yeah and so but I mean being excited the last um, so this is this is two-sided um I'm really excited for Outer Class and the performance that we're about to have. Mm-hmm. Like We're about to film our, and this is my very first piece. And I'm very nervous, um, but not just because it's like performance, like I've performed it before, but it's because I've put in so much work into this. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've said this, I just recently said this out loud, like... Um, the sentence I'm worried that if I don't do things to what I believe is to the standard I want them to be like when we get on like that state when we get on the stage yeah that I will cry like I will cry oh like knowing how I am knowing how I'll be like that stage that performance will make or break like my experience oh my god um, and okay. and like it's unfair, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of like stuff going into it. But like, I'm excited because it's very much like uh, because I'm not like scared in the sense of like oh like like oh god like if I don't do well like I'm not gonna like it's like I'm a, I'm suck as a person. But I do realize that there's a realization there, and to me, I feel like okay, like it's a realization of like. If I do everything I can right now, like if I work as hard as I can, right, and I still do not feel like I was where, like, like I don't feel like I, like where I'm supposed to be with that set or feel the way I think that set is meant to feel, mm. right, and mm. feel good about it, like in, in a very relieving, opening, exhilarating sense, mm-hmm. right, then I really think to myself, is this where I belong? Oh. And so there's an excitement in the sense of like belonging. Right. It's like, is this is this is this my place? Like is this is this like my people? Is this mm-hmm. my tribe? Is this like is this like my feeling? Because I love hearing these songs and like I love 
you know, like, um, and I, I, I love like learning to kind of dance this style. Right. Uh, but I will admit like, it's, I don't love, right. How I feel like I could be doing more and I feel like I'm not, or I can't like, it's not that I'm not that it's just so for some reason I can't mm -hmm. and I worry about it. Uh, and I'm excited to see if I can ever break that, mm. you know, if I can break that mold. Mm -hmm. And, um, but ultimately like it's, it's very tough because, um, everybody has their challenges, uh, in their lives. And I feel at times one of my challenges is to think that my challenges are superficial, mm -hmm. you know, like that they shouldn't matter as much as they do, mm -hmm. but I do know that they're mine mm. and to compare them to others, right, is a mistaken way of thinking. And then, but vice versa, right? Like I also know like, okay, like I'm going to work very hard. Like I'm going to work the hardest that I can because I need to know. I need to. Yeah. And so I'm excited to see if I can break that, that, that kind of chain and stuff like that. Um, well, let me ask you this, Cedric. Mm -hmm. Um, so the interesting thing is it feels to me that you're telling me that when you dance on that stage with this new dance style, that it's going to make or break you. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about this. Like, how did you feel? Do you, well, do you remember your first salsa dance competition? Mm -hmm. Did you have, did you feel that same way? No. Um, but here's the difference, right? That was nine years ago. Oh, okay. The thing about urban culture that I've seen is that it seems like it was designed for the young. Um, the way it's been imaged, mm -hmm. right? And the constant like, and it's and it's not it's not like we we I think urban culture values like very highly, right? The the um prospect of young dancer like young full out young movement mm -hmm. um and we use it and we kind of ex we kind of like um you know we uh we demonstrate that image out there a lot but by default right or by sort of like um and like i guess dialectically i guess we're, we we also kind of say like well the old need to go on an iceberg and, and fade away and we have some of those images still here, but they're not nearly in comparison to amount, mm -hmm. to value, right? To viewership, whatever it may be, right? It doesn't float to the surface as quickly, right? As other, uh, as, as, you know, younger sort of views and scenes. Like if you think about the average urban dancer um, that you would probably see, like the ones that you would know the most of, like if you had to name like top like 10, Mm -hmm. Right. Um, there are some that have stayed in the scene for a bit, but anyone that, you know, past the age of 35, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But then again, you know, the culture has only been be built recently. So maybe that's why like young, um, like even your OGs are considered young. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, in general human lifespan terms. Mm -hmm. But I've seen this pattern where it's like very much like it looks like we're trying to go younger and younger and younger mm -hmm. and younger. And that message 
is interpreted a million different ways. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's making the community larger, you know, it's more encompassing, it's encouraging kids to pursue their dreams, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But, and for me, the image is this, right? I pursued my dreams backwards. It's like salsa is like my dance IRA. It was like my retirement fund in dance. <laughs> what? Yeah. Retirement like, fund. I really thought about it like that. Huh. Think about it this way. Oh, like, I get it. You, I get it. Like, you really think to yourself, like, I really thought, like, you can only dance hip hop for X amount of years or urban for X amount of years. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you you got to you gotta get out in the sense, like, you're, you just can't do, you can't go as hard. You can't do that injury, body pain, whatever it is. Or your life is going to push out and stuff like that. So I decided to not pursue that passion of mine. Um, and instead I fell into like, okay, well, what's a dance that I like that I could continue to see myself dancing into my 50s, mm-hmm. into my 60s? Mm-hmm. And salsa was it. Mm-hmm. So I invested in that like really, and it's yielded dividends really well. But now at 31, I'm deciding now to go into a dance culture that in a sense is really designed for like 13 year olds, like 16 year olds, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not just like, for me, it's not just about physicality. It's not about like my bones and like my back. It's sometimes about comprehension and when I think back when I was first dancing salsa, yeah, it was it was not hard to comprehend that movement because, and I think about it now, it's because I was younger. Like my brain could absorb that material much easier. I didn't have habits of other dances yet that prevented me from like unlearning stuff and then going into it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know how many times I'm like, I can't even count like urban like, Urban counts. Urban counts, right? But you put a, any song of salsa like on, and I'll, I'll be able to find the one immediately. But I've counted that way for such a long time that I have to unlearn sometimes that behavior. I haven't had to use my hands, right, above my head for nine years of my dance life, really. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just holding patterns. Like, was something I, I didn't, the way pattern is taught, like, I didn't have an understanding of that. And I learned pattern a different way. Right. And that sucks because it's like, I very much don't want, the reason why it's going to make or break is because when I was with those other salsa competitions and those salsa teams, I was very much in it for myself. Um, but like, I was like, it wasn't a big deal. Like... It, it was like, okay, like, I'll, I'll have more, if I mess up, I'll have more time maybe to figure it out. Or if I mess up, like, I was always nervous. I was always scared. But I was like, I can always get better because I'm still young. But now I really believe it's like, I'm still old. Can I re, the question is not, can I, I can still get better? Or like, it's not a statement. It's sometimes a question is like, can I still get better? Have I petered out now? And, you know, it's it's tough to hear. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, like, you're like Cedric. Sometimes you believe, and this is really vulnerable for me to say, but 
I feel like a, a fool. You know, I feel really foolish being where I am um, and doing what I'm doing. Like almost every day. Like um, Alex and I just had a practice and it was like the first time like, you know, like I had been like we were cleaning and it wasn't the cleaning per se that like made me feel maybe down. It was the fact that like I... I I always expected better of myself. Mm. And the fact that I wasn't and there was a block in there, like it was it was demoralizing. It was painful to be in that. But there's a discipline in me that people don't really know about me. And I'll admit it now. I've lived in pain for such a long time that I don't I don't now think pain is enough to walk away from things. And it's funny because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, okay, that's really painful, but, or like, oh, that's really hurtful or, or tough. But I think to myself, like, well, these are definitions of your character now. And like, all of the challenges that we've ever had to overcome, mm -hmm. all the challenges your parents ever had to overcome and their parents mm -hmm. and everything else, right? Mm -hmm. There's a reason why your parents or your people give you advice or tell you things based off their understanding of the world and the lessons they had to overcome. It's because of the scars that those things have left on you. Like, Alex, I'll ask you this. Sure, yeah. And I'm thinking you have the likelihood that you have one answer um, over another is I would say it's pretty close. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like, oh, I know you're going to say this or I know you're going to say that. But I would say like if you had a child, right, based off the experiences of your life now, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll ask you this. Do you want your child to live the same life you did? It's funny you say that because mm -hmm. I always... When I was younger, um, I always wanted, I, I always, I want, I want to be a dad. There's right. no, you know, I do want kids. I do want, you know, a wife and family and stuff like that. But, um, you know, when I was younger, I, if I, like back then when I thought about this question, yeah, I wouldn't want my kids to live the same life I did. Mm -hmm. But today, you know, I, I think about it and I realize that what I can give to them now, what I can teach them now from my experiences and all the love and care in the world that I'm able to give them, I have to trust them to make those right decisions. It's not up to me. It's, it's their choice to be whoever they want to be. It's my job to give them that love and care and responsibility and the best parenting that I'm capable of doing, whether it's from my experience or whether I learned from my parents or whether I learned from my other family, my cousins or my friends or those who are close to me to help guide me, to help them create a path for themselves. I learned that we are all, it's our own individual will and our and own individual way to create our own path. And I'll do the best I can to give them my my support and whatever they're willing to do as long as it aligns with what I love doing. And so, and see, like, 
that lesson that you've learned, right? That's that's something that has been had to be carved in like in the experiences of who you are, coupled to how you handle those situations. And I know you would never neglect your kid. And you know that because from what you've experienced with your mother, right? You would never put in danger. Or if there was a situation where your child had said like, I really need your help with blank and blank, you would not go deaf in ear to do those things. And that's because you do not want them to experience those particular pains and those particular things. But in doing so, right, you have to realize like, are you perhaps robbing them of that ability to be a good person as well? Mm -hmm. That's tough. It is tough because you are such a great person. And so in doing so, right, like for me, I think about like the lessons I've learned from the pain that I've been in and you know, like when I'm with, and I've put myself in this situation, believing that, you know, like I came here to learn and I think I am, but I do feel like that kid who, who's in a calculus class, but doesn't know basic math. <sighs> like, oh, or, or the kid that. who's like in English class, but mm-hmm. comes from a different country, you know? And then... Like, to be fair and honest, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure no one wants to judge that kid up until that kid is required to do things, right? Mm-hmm. And then they start thinking like, oh, man, this like popcorn reading and the kid can't speak English. And he's like, okay, you got to read this passage. And everyone's listening to him. And he's like, he can barely read that passage. Mm-hmm. Or when you're in a group activity and that student doesn't know how to do, like, this can't present well. It's like, oh, you're going to affect my grade. You know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that psyche is important to understand. I remember a kid who used to read during the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, like, you know, everybody in the class would do Pledge of Allegiance. And this kid was reading. And when I was younger, I really thought that was like, everyone used to think that was really rude, you know. But now, obviously, as I'm older, I realize like, no, like, that's the most American thing you could probably do. Like, this kid is doing everything he can to be part of this culture mm-hmm. through reading. Yeah. He doesn't know that the Pledge of Allegiance, he doesn't know the reverence, he's not from here. Mm-hmm. And, but that anxiety, that fear, that's a pain that people don't know sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because I've always, and, I, and the reason why I'm in the way I am, or sometimes I felt, and I feel overcome I really do. Like, I feel overcome in, in outer class. Um, and sometimes it's just in the worst way. And it's no one's fault. But um, what I'm feeling is just like, just this tremendous amount of anxiety and fear. Because I don't, I, I'm thinking like, why not? Why, I always thought, like, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I, I feel like I know what I'm doing. Like, like, but it, when every time I feel like I'm not measuring up correctly, like, or I'm not thinking, like, I'm where I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, 
I feel like, why don't I know? And I begin to spiral. I begin to get into my head. Like, I think it was very clear in the cleaning. Mitch could see it. You could see it, right? There's a hesitation in my movement. There is. Mm -hmm. And it comes from my inability, right, to get out of my head when I'm in that room. Mm. I hate sometimes the phrase, you just need to feel it. <sighs> I know that. I, I know it's just like, about. and all I can keep asking myself, and I think the reason why I hate it is because I don't know how. Like, I don't. I don't know how that's going to happen for me. It's such a vague term. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to lie. That's it's is really vague. Uh some people just get it. Well, I I'll be honest with you like when people say just feel it, um to me that just means you go with your emotions. Yeah. And and to me like yeah, you go with your emotions like I I've, I've done that before. It feels good, but it needs direction. Yeah, and something that I've learned um, in in situations like that is I actually learned I actually watched this video that was sent on band um, um, from uh, from a good friend of ours, Franz, mm-hmm. and he posted a video of uh, Kevin Paradox, mm-hmm. um, and I was listening to his uh, to I was watching the video his YouTube video, and one phrase stuck out to me is when you when you translate um dance movement when you create dance movement it does come from the heart mm-hmm. it comes from the heart but if it's not translated correctly in in outwardly in a, in a in a, um outwardly way not an internal way but an external way it becomes confused mm. So what what he what Kevin Paradox said is that it need your heart needs to work aligned with your mind with your with your brain. Your brain is the one that helps analyze and translate how you feel and how you express yourself. And I think that's important because when your heart is is spiraling and you don't know how to express yourself and your brain doesn't your mind doesn't work with your heart it becomes confused and it's it's important to 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 think about that um in order to to feel something that you want to feel your mind has to work aligned with your heart yeah so you, so that way your mind can help guide your heart where it wants to go yeah and i think that's definitely where I'm, where I feel like uh, is the is the confusion or the the the, the buildup or the the the, dis, like the deficiency because it's yeah like my brain like my heart's there my intention is there my ethic is there um, but my brain like if you guys could see what's in there like it's a jumbled mess about trying to develop the movement but not being patient with myself with a comparison not of like who's better than me but more of like why comparison of like how is it that it seems so easy for people to adjust on the fly and for me it takes forever Mm -hmm. and then judging myself and um 
you know, all at the same, like, yeah, judging myself for numerous ways, whatever it is. And then at the same time, trying to incorporate critiques and understandings, like, and you can start to see that the, this list, like, if it's all in your head happening at, at like, in all, like, in a single moment, mm-hmm. is the epitome of becoming overcome, mm-hmm. right? Overwhelmed. Right. And, but overwhelmed in the wrong way. I know? agree, yeah. And I think when we think about the best ways to be overwhelmed, mm-hmm. it's really thinking about a singular thing and letting that fully put you in a place. Mm-hmm. But when we're the worst overwhelmed is when there's a thousand different things, right? Bombarding your mind and you feel like no sense of control um, from an external point of view. Yeah. And I think what what ha- what helped me in those situations, because I'll be honest, like I, I felt overwhelmed, you know, like I said earlier in the 12 a.m. 12 p.m. practice yesterday mm-hmm. um, with like with my emotions and everything like that as well. And then it got to a point where I told my to, told myself, OK, stop. Stop for a moment. Sh- shut everything off and focus on one emotion. Is this emotion helping you to improve or is this emotion destroying what you're trying to build? Okay, cycle it through. If it doesn't, put that emotion aside right now because you and your team need something else. And you go on to the next emotion. Is this helping me right now improve? It is? Great. I'm going to think about just this one emotion and just this one to help guide where my heart is and help guide where my movement needs to be. And that's a, that's a brilliant way of thinking about it. Because I think you and I have the same thought process, but where it's different is that you have the discipline to, to have that question be said. Is this a helpful emotion or not? Mm-hmm. And then setting it aside. For mm-hmm. me, I let it run rampant, you know? Mm-hmm. There are, I'll tell you, okay, so I'll tell you a moment. There's something about, I've never told really anybody. <laughs> I dance. I dance better when I'm angry. Angry? Yeah. Wow. And it's an ugly thing to think about because it's like, it's like, um, I don't know. Uh, the best metaphor I guess I could say is like, um, <laughs> do you remember Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's my childhood right okay, there. Okay, so there was a season where like, there's like I don't remember the season, but there's like they're dueling somebody, but there's like these green circles. Oh yes, the yes. the seal of Orichalcos. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah, okay, so yeah, the seal of Orichalcos, right? And the thing was, was like it would give you like a power up, right, to whatever it may, but it came at the cost of something. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you're like became evil trying to do it, and then Yugi had to use it one time. Yes, right? I remember that. Yugi yeah, he did right, and then in that same time, he still lost that duel, right? And I was like, whoa, like. Yugi never loses duel, and he lost his sense of self, right? Mm-hmm. For me, dance has always been a way of expressing myself, mm-hmm. right? Like, I love it because I get to, I get to be connected to that music, and I get to move into that movement, and I, 
And I also like the way I looked when I like I did those things. Mm-hmm. And then I would start joining teams, right? And I was like, okay. And I'm realizing this about myself. Like, I really like dance as my further extension of of my expression and my music. But what I learned recently, well, when, when the first way I learned that I dance better angry is because one time when you're dancing socially or you're not socially, but like when you're performing with a partner, like. Your movement, maybe you want to go more full out, but if your partner can't handle, mm-hmm. you, it's like, well, you only go as far as you can go. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was like, okay, like I'm not able to express myself more. I'm not able to do this and do that. And, and at a certain point, I was dancing with her and I was so frustrated with her that I was able, I like hyper-focused mm. my ability and my movement. Mm. And like, I was not happy, like, like, if you've ever met me, like, uh, or if you ever see me, like, I love smiling. Because when I don't smile, I look like a murderer. <laughs> oh, but I looked very much like a murderer mm-hmm. when I was dancing with her because I had the mentality of being a murderer. Like, I'm going to make sure, like, I wasn't mad. Like, I was mad at her, but I was more like, um, I get into a way, like, a very, like, sort of primal, bestial kind of way. Yeah. Like, it's... But the problem was, is like, when I was done dancing, I didn't feel good. But that was the cleanest I had ever executed those movements. I felt I was in the pocket. Like, I felt very much like everything is slowed and precise and, 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 like, and like everything was happening the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Right? But at the end, I, I, because I was just, I just didn't feel good. Like I didn't feel happy. I recently learned this in urban. Like I would, I would be practicing the stuff, and when I can't get steps, like there was a point at a practice once we were learning choreo. Yeah. And I was like, and I was in my head, and I was frustrated, and I let the anger override myself. And I, and you know, like we did the choreography, and I did it. I was able to go all the way through without hiccup mm-hmm. and I was and yay like outwardly I completed the task and but inwardly I hated it like I hated that this had to come out again mm. like and that's the trade-off like mm-hmm. for me it's like do you want to get it but in doing so it comes at the cost of your like like the reason why you're here mm-hmm. and and I worry about like and like you know like I could have done it again mm-hmm. at the clean today but you know it's like it's it's this weird tricky deal that I have to make with myself where it's like do you want to go into this in this mindset right now like you can do it but to for you to do it right now mm-hmm. you got to put the seal or cockroach <laughs> oh no you have to get oh, no. like you have to get like villainous with it. Cedric, no. You know? <laughs> and it's like if I've never been We talked about hatred in yeah. one episode. Yeah, I remember that. I've never felt so close to hatred at that moment. Mm. Because like I think we talked about I don't know if we talked about this, like that power. Mm-hmm was intoxicating to me and like 
to know that I was capable of doing it. But at the end of it, it didn't feel correct. It felt misaligned. It felt like I was dancing for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And I, I make that trade off and it's, it sucks and it's, it's frustrating. And I'm, and I learned a lot about myself and I'm still learning a lot about myself. And so that's why when I said that this set will make or break me, it's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of that. Because if I continue, I, and it's like, but I have to go into that mode, it's killing the very mentality or reason why I should be dancing, which is the trade-off that is so hard to like, you know, because I enjoy everybody in that room. Yeah, I enjoy, you know, like learning to develop my movement. But when I'm finally dancing, will I be the one who's like, open and free mm-hmm. and connected and expressive or am i the hyper focused rage filled you know like um you know like angry uh precision dancer right mm-hmm. that's gonna be and mm-hmm. so it's a very much a fundamental choice for me now that's that's so interesting yeah and i think because i'll be honest with you when i'm angry I learned that I thought it was, you know, it helped me get better and stuff mm-hmm. like that as well. Mm-hmm. But I learned that it's very destructive for me. Mm-hmm. Anger is, is very destructive for me. Um, but what I learned, Cedric, is that I honestly believe that the set that we're performing, it's very you. And the reason why I say that is because this set is very expressive. But... At the same time, it's very personable, personal to us individually. Each person has their own story to tell. And I want you to make it personal for yourself. And I hope you think that way as well. That make make this set very personal for you. Not only combine, you know, the anger that keeps you hyper focused, mm-hmm. but tell a story about your anger through that set. Mm-hmm. Combine it. Because you'll find something different about yourself if, if you do. Because you'll do everything right. You'll do everything great if you're angry and hyper-focused and that's what helps you. But if, and it may cost your you know, happiness. But if you tell your story about it at the same time, what, ha- what will happen? Yeah. And that's something I feel like that's something you should find yourself. No, that's, that's a very interesting point because... It's, um... Tell a story about your anger. Yeah, like I've never, I've never thought that I should tell my story about that. And maybe you're right. Maybe I think about that movement in, in a way of like um, letting people, or letting it finally be in the air. Yeah, I think so. that's important. It's, you know, telling about the ugliest things about yourself will tell the world that no one can hurt you because you already hurt yourself the most. Right. Right. And when you know that you have already hurt yourself the most, you know that you can heal yourself and recover from it because you already know that pain, that 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 anguish, that that suffering, and no one can hurt you because you already know it. Right. Right. Right, right, right. And that's that'll be the act, right? That'll be the balance. And uh, I just, it's, it's interesting to hear it because it's like, 
maybe I've known it all along that maybe I should tap into that. I just, I've always been so afraid. But I think maybe this is the opportunity. It's like, it's the path. Right. Mm -hmm. It's about, it's all about creating Mm -hmm. new opportunities for yourself, you know? Yeah. So really create that opportunity to be aligned with your anger and help create a story around it with this set. I think it will bloom something beautiful out of it. Okay. Because, you know, we we know the phrase, the beautiful rose, the most beautiful rose has thorns. Right. So. Right, 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 right. And let's see how big your thorns are. uh, (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. It's just like, I didn't think... I didn't think I would ever be able to share something like that. Um, or I didn't realize like how closely guarded I had kept that. And it's crazy that in this podcast, you know, talking about overcome, you know, like it's in both ways. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, like I feel overcome by these emotions, but at the same time, I'm learning to overcome, overcome these emotions. These emotions. So, that's, so that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, thank you for everyone who's listened to this episode so far. Uh, this has been, you know, a very beautiful, deep conversation. Yeah, this, uh, is, this is a whoosh one. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and I appreciate everyone who's listened, who listened so far into the podcast. And, and I hope you guys got the opportunity and chance to learn something from feeling overwhelmed and, uh, feeling overcome with emotion and learning and to overcome. overcome. Yeah. yeah. So thank you everyone who's been listening. You know, um, if you guys are listening to Apple podcast or any, <clears throat> any um, podcast that has a rating, um, you know, feel free to leave us five stars and maybe, you know, comment what you like about it or what you like to see more of. Yes. Yes. Please do so. Mm-hmm. So, um, and to follow our Instagram page, it's uh creative underscore underscore. <laughs> now you do it. <laughs> emotions. <laughs> yeah. Creative underscore underscore emotions. And to follow me, uh, my Instagram handle is L three L A C K F R O S T underscore L E. Blackfrost underscore L E. And to follow uh, Cedric. If you're looking for me, uh, it is Papa Seti 88, P A P A C E double D Y 88. Yeah, so uh, let us know how you're feeling or, you know, uh, chime in if you guys just want to talk. Yeah, we're, we seem open, right? Especially now. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, you guys have a great day. Yeah, have a good one and uh, happy holidays again. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs>